0: This is Anthems. Hi, I'm Anna, standing in Nettles feels itchy, especially lower down. Or at least that's what I've always said in my head when I've had to write my surname. You can just call me Anna Sinfield. That line about the Nettles is what's called a dyslexic mnemonic acronym. And I used it religiously well into my teens to help me spell my own name. For me, dyslexia has been an unwanted gatekeeper to my identity for my entire life. It's controlled how I communicate my ideas, thoughts and feelings in a world that doesn't think the way I do. However, today I want to talk about how dyslexia has given me and many other dyslexics a unique relationship with words, one that isn't as negative as you may have been led to believe. Your word of the day is wordplay. So, a dyslexic lies awake at night wondering if there really is a dog. Or another, a dyslexic walks into a bra. I said those jokes because I think they're funny, but mostly because they demonstrate the very narrow view the wider public has of this learning difficulty. It's true, dyslexics do mix up their letters and words can sometimes appear to run away from you on the page. Though it's nothing like the sort of acid trip that I think people think it is, at least in my experience. Dyslexia generally becomes apparent through someone's writing. Ds, Bs, 6s, 9s, Qs and Ps get used interchangeably. Children with dyslexia often avoid reading and writing because they find it hard. And then they slip behind their peers. Before you know it, you've been bought some Anastasia or bono s coloured reading glasses to help you get bullied at school. This problem with words is actually part of a much bigger processing issue with the working memory. Working memory, put simply, is the portion of our memory we use to remember stuff while we're performing a task. Now, imagine being a kid trying to learn how to read. They've got to learn how words sound, look, are ordered, usually all while focusing on a new skill of reading or writing. It's a bit like patting your head and rubbing your tummy. Paper, grass cuttings, human hearts. Those were the three examples of recyclable materials that, at the age of eight, I gave when I was interviewing for a school with a bigger special ed department. I got into the school because of that human heart's answer, despite them being at their quota for dyslexics. I think it was the first moment that I realised that I had a gift for the gab, because I'd spent so long talking my way out of working or having to listen even harder than others. In later life, this would set me up to get incredible jobs, opportunities and dates with women far out of my league. I wish I could go back and tell young me that. It'd have saved a lot of tears. Benjamin Zephaniah, a fellow letter jumbler, said he struggled at school because his teachers found his ideas too abstract and confrontational, a trait that would see him become one of the most celebrated poets in the UK. He's what's called a lateral thinker, which is a typical hardwired dyslexic trait. Lateral thinking is the ability to connect two disparate concepts with ease. Is a thinking style of creatives, artists, and inventors. It comes with imagination and playfulness and a sense of reason where others can't find it. Now, my weird words and phrases have become an embedded part of my family's patter. Decimal points, jumping dots. Moses basket, movable cot. My childhood gender identity, tomboy Batman, of course. Roald Dahl's Dahlisms are a product of his dyslexia, too. Snoscombers, frob and Whiz-Poppers, they sound exactly as they are. Muhammad Ali's famous game talk, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. It's weird, it's poetic, but most of all, it's dyslexic. For a learning difficulty that is centred around words, isn't it incredible that many dyslexics adapt by mastering the playfulness of the very thing that topples them? When Benjamin Zephaniah writes, with love, spelt W-I-D-L-U-V, does it carry any less meaning than if it was spelt correctly? Or is it somehow more powerfully his the way it is? I would argue so. The other day, my girlfriend pointed out that I always say I want a slither of cake, as if it were a snake. She found it cute. I say it that way because I learnt words through listening, not by reading. She's the other way around, a book guzzling brain box who says words wrong with the confidence of someone who's read them a thousand times but never heard them out loud. From where I'm standing, we've reached the same problem from opposite sides. Perhaps it's time we all met in the middle. I've always admired the book Smart. I choose them as friends. I've been raised by them too. But it's been hard to shake the idea that it's the primary marker of intelligence, I remember my mum saying offhand during the heat of my battle with words that maybe I just need to find a career where I'll work with my hands. She didn't mean it as an insult at all. She's an art historian by education and values craftsmanship. But these kinds of comments put a dam in the road. We live in a culture that focuses on how you say something and not what you say. It's colonial, it's ableist, it's silencing, but it's actually quite new. There are spoken word cultures all around the world but we don't have to stretch that far to find them. I first built up my confidence with words by becoming a, and I cringe as I say this, folk singer at the age of 15. I'd join the old and bearded at folk clubs and listen to them playing a horrible sounding instrument while singing ancient ancestral stories in Gaelic. Brits come from a culture that taught the young life's valuable lessons to the tune of a hurdy-gurdy, so why have we become so bloody uptight now? These days, I'm an audio producer. And to me, podcasting and radio is a little like reverting back to those oral storytelling traditions. It's a medium that gets me, and I get it. If we were in the back room of a dusty pub listening to a dulcimer player singing about the harvest of 1750, this would be the point where I'd raise my glass. So here goes. Cheers to the grammar pedants, and cheers to the word players. Our stories are better off because we both exist. Wordplay. Definition noun. The witty exploitation of the meanings and ambiguities of words.